Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Colt Melrose. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. My name is Colt, I'm the media pastor here. I'm so glad you're here today for week two of our series, Rhythm. In this series, we're talking about the natural rhythm that God designed into our world. And to do that, we have to look at how he created the world to operate. That's best summed up in three words, work, relationships, and rest. When, we, when we're in rhythm, it feels good, right? Yet it's so easy to slip out of rhythm. Maybe we uh, chase money or recognition, and so we work too much. Or maybe we chase experiences, and so we rest and we play too much. At the center of it all are the relationships that in our lives maybe started out of rhythm or have fallen out of rhythm in some way uh, along the way. Uh, Finding that rhythm is what we're talking about today. So I want you to go ahead and pull out your message notes, and we're going to jump right to it. Last week, Pastor Gary showed us how to identify when we're out of rhythm. It comes down to this word, responsibility. All right, responsibility is response plus ability. This is true in our work, which we talked about last week, and you can catch that on the podcast. It's true in our rest, which we'll talk about next week, and it's true in our relationships. It's important for us to have that ability to respond, both in the individual uh, part of our life, but also to the other two parts of our lives as well. Having that ability to respond is what keeps us in rhythm. I have a brother. His name's Heath. He's six and a half years older than me. I brought a picture along, okay? So this is me, the the cute one, all right? And this is my brother, Heath. And as young kids, I mean, we had typical brother relationships, right? He was older. He wanted to be cool. And I was the younger, pesky brother who loved to just get under his skin. And I got really good at it. Yeah. We grew up more as enemies than friends in a lot of ways. And then one day, everything changed, and we lost all, all rhythm in our relationship. When I was 10 and he was 16, our parents divorced. And we went through that situation in drastically different ways. I didn't understand how he was going through the pain and the hurt. And he didn't understand how I was responding to it either. And that began to separate us. It began to create a discord. It broke the rhythm in our lives. We spent the next 17 years living out of rhythm. He was 16, so he had a car and he had a job. And so he would leave school and he would go to work. And he's a hard worker. He still is to this day. But he would go to work and and he would work hard. And I think that that was his way of controlling whatever he could in his environment because everything else was out of control. And he moved in with our grandparents because they lived closer to where he worked so he could work late. And then he'd go there and sleep and then he'd drive to school and then he'd drive back to work uh, after school. Because he didn't live where we lived, I may go two or three days without seeing him. And because my mom now was single and she had to work multiple jobs, I had an empty house that I didn't want to go home to. So I spent a lot of time pressing into my friend relationships. I'd go over to a friend's house and hang out with him and his family and not really see my brother or even my mom for very many hours in the day. Being out of rhythm really... Um, separated us, but it it made it hard for us to understand 
how each other were making decisions, how we were shaping uh, our adult lives. So for the next 17 years, we both uh, graduated high school and college. We learned how to adult. Um, we uh, got married. And all the while, we missed lots of memories together because we were out of rhythm. And we didn't know how to put ourselves back into rhythm. Until one day we decided, hey, you know what? We've got to figure this out because this isn't working. This is not how a brother relationship is supposed to go. So we planned a brother's trip with the intention of putting ourselves back into rhythm. We went camping. We did guy stuff. We toured around. We saw new places. We ate new foods. And we had lots of great shared experiences together. My brother's a big fan of the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman about the small Indiana high school team that wins the state championship against all odds, against all the bigger schools, because they didn't have any uh, school classes in that day. Well, we were living in Indiana at the time, and so we planned to put some of those sites where they filmed the movie on our trip that week. Okay, so uh, we went to um, Butler Fieldhouse where they played the state championship game, and then we went to uh, the little small gymnasium where the high school team played their home games. And I surprised my brother I rented the gym for two hours. It was just us, just the two of us. We'd play basketball. We showered in the locker room. We had the whole gym experience. And um, here we are, uh, center court, H for Hickory. That was the name of the, the town. And we took a knee. At the end of the movie, there's a team picture where they all take a knee behind the H with the championship, uh, that, you know, celebrate the, the championship and the year that they had. And so we recreated that. And that was a great experience for him. It was a great uh, uh, shared experience that built uh, trust in our relationship. But even more important than this and all the other things we did is we were intentional to sit down and talk about what it was that had, had broken the rhythm in our relationship. We learned uh, what, uh, how each other had gone through the experience of our parents divorcing and how that had shaped who we had become as adults. It was eye-opening to understand what he had to say and for him to see how I had gone through things. And it built rhythm back into our relationship. Now, maybe you uh, connect with that and you understand that when one of your relationships is out of rhythm, it kind of messes up every other relationship you have. We tend to run away or avoid the relationships uh, in our lives. Not just that one, but the others as well. Our mutual friendships, right? Because we don't want to talk about what's going on. We don't want to talk about what's broken the rhythm. Or maybe we do, but we end up gossiping about that other person or we blame them for the relationship being broken even though maybe it's partly our fault we see them at a restaurant we kind of look the other way and we ask the hostess to sit us across the restaurant so we can pretend that we didn't see them even though they know that they saw us and we saw them and we're just going to pretend that we didn't see it right or we're walking down the hall at work or at school and we pretend to be on our phone you know text texting somebody or uh, you know doing uh, something just so we don't have to talk to them or maybe we're not so subtle, and we just put our head down, and we just power walk, right? And we don't see them. What we don't realize is that they did the same thing, because they don't want to talk to us either, right? And we just pass each other in the hall. Maybe we find ourselves abandoning the relationship altogether, which is probably the worst thing that we could do, because we don't realize how that one relationship touches so many other lives. And when we break that relationship, it impacts other relationships in our lives. The damage and the destruction 
that it does uh, has a ripple effect. We don't see that because we're just concerned with ourselves in that moment. We're being selfish. Before we keep going, I need to stop here and I need to uh, say that you can't change your past. And I can't change mine. But what we can do is we can let our past change our future and how we respond today and tomorrow and the next day. All right? It will help us to not make the same mistakes twice. And that's what ought to give us hope today. Every day is a second chance to, break, to fix something that's broken. It's also a chance to break something that's good. But it's a, it's a chance to fix something that's broken so that we don't repeat the past. And the truths we're going to look at today can help bring us uh, and our relationships back into rhythm. So we have to ask this question of how do I find my rhythm of relationships? Well, I must be in a relationship with God and others at the same time. I must be in a relationship with God and others at the same time. When we talk about living in the rhythm God created, we have to look at how he created us. Look at Genesis 1, 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. I want you to underline us, our, and our. This is big that we're made in the image of God because we're the only thing God created that's in his likeness. Everything else is in another likeness, but we are created in his likeness. For you to find the rhythm in your relationships, you have to study God himself. And that's because you are a reflection of him. I want you to notice, we, we underlined us, our, and our. That's because God is plural. Now, he's not, a, he's not multiple gods. He's one God. But he's in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're three persons in one God. They interact with each other just like three people would would interact with, but they're one God. God in his very nature is relational. He's always in relationship with with himself. And so when he created Adam and then he saw that he was alone, he realized that that wasn't good. He was out of rhythm. Look at um, Genesis 2.18. Lord God says, It's not good for the man, speaking of Adam, to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So he creates Eve, right? Adam was out of rhythm. He wasn't just out of step with the rest of creation. He was completely alone other than his relationship with God, right? He didn't have anybody to dance with. He was out of rhythm. And God said it wasn't good. So that brings us to this question that we have to ask specifically of how must I act to find rhythm in my relationship with others? How must I act to find rhythm in my relationship with others? The first thing is that I must exercise humility. I must exercise humility. Imagine this with me. You're at work, and it's 4 o'clock, and your boss walks in and hands you a project that he wants done today because his boss told him to get it done today. And so he's going to have you do it. And you don't say anything. You say, okay, because you want to be a good employee, but you let it create this tension because you are too proud to say anything about that, hey, it's 4 o'clock and we don't have time to get a new project done, right? And so that tension builds. It goes home with you. Okay. Now imagine this. You're at home 
because you stay at home with your young kids. And when your spouse walked out this morning, your two-year-old decided that he was, uh, that you were his worst enemy. And you, uh, he was going to uh, scream and disobey and terrorize all day. Until your spouse comes home late because they're working on a project for their boss, right? And they walk in just in time for the dinner that you threw together. And they sit down. Then they have the audacity to complain about it, right? Or maybe you're a student and you're at school and you got the grade for your group project. And it's not what you expected. And you think the teacher's grading unfairly. So uh, you get all bent out of shape with the teacher. And then you get out, bent out of shape with your friends who are on the group project because you know that they didn't pull their weight and they pulled your grade down. And so now you're going to get a B and you're not going to get into the college that you want and your whole life's ruined, right? Okay. Everybody comes home. Somebody asks somebody else to do something for them. It's minor. But because of the days you've all had, it blows up, right? One person gets upset, then the other person gets upset. Now everybody's in an even worse mood. You either grab your dinner and you all go to separate rooms or you sit around the table in silence because the tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife. Then somebody goes to bed early, somebody watches TV in the family room till midnight. Everybody gets up the next morning, grabs a granola bar, out the door, and the whole cycle starts over again, right? Sound familiar? Yeah. So all of that could have been avoided with just a little humility, right? If somewhere along the way you say, you know what? Let me just take a deep breath and approach it a different way. It's the humility that helps keep the rhythm in your relationship with others. Look at Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. I want you to look at how this plays out between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Luke 22, Jesus is praying. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. He's talking about having to die on the cross there. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is saying there that the will of God the Father is more important than the will of the Son. There's a characteristic of humility concerning Jesus to the Father. Jesus puts God's desire ahead of his own. He used humility to stay in rhythm with God. Now look at John 16. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, hey guys, listen. Last three years we've been together, it's been pretty incredible. We've seen a lot of uh, wild stuff happen. We've seen a lot of miracles and we've seen a lot of changes. He says, but it's better now that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because he's the one who's going to guide you through this next season. Jesus knew what was in the best interest of the disciples. And he exercised that humility to go away so that the Spirit could come. So let me ask you, is this how you handle your relationships? Do you set aside your desires for the good of the other person? God the Father's desire was for Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus' desire was to not die on the cross, but ask the Father if there's another way. Yet, Jesus approached it 
in, with humility to say, if there's no other way, then your will be done. He exercised humility and in doing so, made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. Aren't we so grateful that, that Jesus humbled himself there, even to the point of death on a cross? Now, exercising humility doesn't mean that you're a doormat, but what it means is communicating your desires in a way that says, hey, if I need to set my desires aside for the good of the others involved, then I'm going to do that. Jesus didn't not ask the Father for another way, right? He didn't just say, okay. No, he said, Father, if there's a way to let this cup pass, then let it pass. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. That's how you maintain rhythm in all of your relationships. But there's a second thing that we have to do, and that's that I need to find value. I need to find value. In Matthew 3, we see the baptism of Jesus. And right after the baptism, we see God the Father speaking to others about God the Son. He says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. See, God the Father is expressing value for God the Son here. He sees the value in Jesus because through Jesus, you and I get to restore that rhythm with the relationship with God. Now, sometimes it's hard to see the God-created value in others, right? Maybe they're different than you. Maybe they look different than you. Maybe they grew up different than you. Maybe they have a different viewpoint on life or opinions about how things should go. It makes it hard sometimes to find the value, right? But the thing that you have to remember is that they were created in God's image, just like you. And God wants you to see them the way he sees them, as his dearly loved creation. They have value just like you and I do. We have to see that. But in order to do that, that means we have to spend enough time with them to get past all of that surface stuff and get at the core of the value that they have, that God has created in them, that they bring to our lives. The best place I know to do this is in small groups. Nobody knows me, outside of my family, nobody knows me better than the people in my small group. Because we spend time together every week, and we talk about life. They know that I would be there for them in a heartbeat, and I know they'd be there for me as well. Small groups where my wife and I have developed our closest and deepest friendships. In fact, last week, uh, one of my friends from small group, Drew, and I went over to help another friend uh, from our small group install some ceiling fans. He had never done it before, when he called and asked me some questions, it's like, okay, I really think that it's in your best interest if we come over and help you. Uh, because one of these fans is going in your nursery where your new daughter is, and if it's not installed right, that would be really bad. So, But if you've never been to a small group here at Parkway, I want to invite you to an event next weekend called a group discovery event. It's after the last service next Sunday. And it's going to give you an opportunity to have a taste of what a small group's like. And then out of that event, we're going to start some new small groups that will meet through the summer. And you're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service to sign up for that event. But I encourage you to come and check it out. Now, our small groups in full force for everyone will kick back up in the fall. And so um, if you can't wait that long, though, come to the event next week. Get connected with some other new folks here at Parkway.
get into a small group this summer and begin to um, learn and grow uh, in your relationship with other people as well as your relationship with God because there's no other way, uh, there's no better way to learn about God and to grow in your relationship with Him than in a small group. And that's why we have to be in relationship with others and with God at the same time to be in rhythm. Okay? So you start a relationship with God by accepting His free offer of salvation. You believe that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to pay the penalty that your sin requires. And then out of that payment, which is a free gift to you, the gratitude that, that develops because of that salvation causes you to want to live a life that's honoring to God and that you follow Him, you commit your life to follow Him from this day forward. On the back of your message notes is a sample prayer that you can look at and you can pray. If you've never prayed that prayer before, you're not a Christ follower, but, not, but you can be today. If you pray that prayer, mean it from your heart, Christ will come into your life and He'll change your life and He'll establish that new rhythm of a relationship between you and God. And once that relationship is established, then we can look at this next question of how must I act to find rhythm in my relationship with God? How must I act to find rhythm in my relationship with God? Well, the passage that I want us to look at, it takes place right after Adam and Eve have eaten the forbidden fruit. They've disobeyed God and they know it. Their sin caused them to be out of rhythm. And let me say, when, whenever you directly disobey God, you're out of rhythm. And that's pretty obvious, I think. But I want us to look at some things in this passage that maybe aren't so obvious or aren't talked about quite as much, okay? So look at Genesis 3 with me, starting in verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. I want you to underline that, heard the sound of the Lord, God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord, God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The first thing we have to do in our relationship with God is that we need to make it familiar. We need to make it familiar. I had you underline, heard the sound of the Lord God, because it shows that Adam and Eve recognized God. They knew his sound. They knew that it was him. They knew that they had disobeyed, and so they hid because they were afraid. You know, when I get home from work, my girls know that it's me, even if they don't see me walk through the door. Maybe they hear the sound of my horn honk, or they know my footsteps, but they know that it's me, even if they can't see me. Adam and Eve and God spent time together in the garden. This was a familiar experience for them. They knew God's sound, and so they hid. If they didn't, they probably would have said that, Adam and Eve looked at each other and they said, what's that sound? All right? I can just envision Eve elbowing Adam saying, hey, get up and go check it out. Take a stick and take the tiger with you. All right? But they didn't do that. They knew that it was God. But they were afraid and so they hid. So let me ask you this. Do you spend enough time with God to be familiar with him? Has your relationship with him hit that familiar stage yet? that you know him apart from everything else? You're probably closer than you think because God wants you to be at that familiar stage. And he's pursuing you, even if you're not pursuing him. But if I had to guess, your relationship's probably a little bit start-stop. Okay, let me explain it this way. How many remember the first time you drove a stick shift? Yeah? 
Some of the young kids don't even know what I'm talking about. But um, for most of us in the room, we've probably at least tried to drive a stick shift before, right? You peel out and then you kill it because you haven't been able to manage the clutch and the throttle, right? Uphill was the worst. Yeah. Or maybe you give everyone in the car whiplash because you skipped second and you hit fourth, right? And you're like, go stop, go stop, go, and it just jumps, you know? That, that's not the rhythm we're talking about today, okay? But familiarity with God comes with routine, just like familiarity with a stick shift comes with routine of driving it. And that routine with God comes from building habits of spending time with Him, spending time in His Word, praying, and listening to God. Sharing with others what God is showing you in his word and letting him speak to you through other relationships in your life. All of those things build that familiarity with you with, in your relationship with God. So this week I want you to set a goal to just increase the frequency with which you spend time with God. With the goal of trying to become more familiar. And when you pray, ask God to make himself more familiar to you. But there's a second thing, the last thing we have to do in our relationship with God, and that's that uh, I need to show authenticity. I need to show authenticity. I had you underline Adam's response there. He says, I hid. There's no, it's honest. There's no hypocrisy. There's no deceit in that response, right? So let me ask you, when mistakes are made, would you rather somebody lie and be fake and cover up what they did, or would you rather them just be honest and authentic with you? Yeah, we want the authenticity, right? Well, God does too. I have two daughters. Nova uh, is almost one, and Katie is two and a half. And um, I like to show pictures any chance I get. So um, aren't they pretty? Um, so uh, Katie, two and a half year old, we're trying to teach her the importance of being honest when she makes a mistake. So we'll ask her, Katie, did you sit on your sister? Because the sister's crying, and we know probably Katie sat on her, all right? And Katie is, Katie's, knows she's in trouble, so she's crying, and um, she begins to, you know, push out that bottom lip, and she gets real, you know, sad, sad and starts to cry, and, you know? And just almost immediately, she starts, she, she fesses up, and we say, Katie, thank you for being honest. Now, don't sit on your sister again. And then she does it again. We go through the whole thing over and over again, right? But... That when there's a lack of that authenticity in our relationship, it breaks the rhythm. Even if we mess up, God wants us to just be authentic. Just be real, right? Just like Adam was. You think God knew what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Yeah. Just like I know that Katie sat on her sister. God knows everything about them. God knew everything about them. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. And so... Trying to be deceitful to him is pointless. That's why we just need to be honest in our relationship with God, as well as with others. When we're honest with God, then he uses that authenticity to develop a deeper rhythm. And then that rhythm spills out into our relationships with others as well. And when we find rhythm in our relationships, that's what holds everything together. We find ourselves living the way God created us to live. Okay? So... Work, relationships, and rest. We have to have rhythm in all three. Next week, we're going to talk about the rhythm of rest. 
So make sure you come back, okay? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you through your word. We thank you that you created us to be in relationship with you as well as with others. Not only that, but we thank you for teaching us how to find and keep rhythm in those relationships. God, would you give us the opportunities this week to exercise humility and find value in others so that our relationships with them will stay in rhythm. As we spend time with you each day, would you make yourself familiar to us? Would you let us begin to hear your voice, to know what it is to be in relationship with you? Would you help us learn the sound of your voice and be authentic with you as well as with others? Would you go before us this week and guide us in our relationships? We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.